Today's episode of the Teamwork Online webinar series is presented by ScreenSkins, the number one branded screen protector. Appreciate their support of the podcast, and they allow you to personalize your screen protector with custom or officially licensed designs that disappear. Get yours today by visiting ScreenSkins.com and use the code LIFO24 at checkout for 20% off today. Again, the code LIFO24, L-I-F-O-2-4 at checkout for 20%. Enjoy today's episode. This is the Life in the Front Office Plus, where we dive deeper into personal and professional development, share nuggets and highlights from previous episodes, and bring you new content to provide insights and perspectives beyond the front office. Enjoy today's episode. Monica, when you think about uh, the best piece of advice you were given at the beginning of your career, maybe the biggest lesson learned at the beginning, because there's a lot that you can take from those first 10 years, right? That then apply to the next 10 and so on. Um, what was that piece of advice that you were given maybe along the way? And, and can you share it with, with the rest of the group? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I was working at the University of Florida. Uh, so I worked there from 04 to 08. And, and those were some really, really good times at Florida. Back-to-back basketball championships, a football championship in between, breaking fundraising records. It was an amazing experience so early on in my career. And so I overlapped. Um, with two awesome football coaches, Ron Zook for my first year and then Urban Meyer for my next four. And this was the story uh, with Coach Meyer. Um, so we would do what, what we'd call gator gatherings where they, they used to have to do 20 appearances, mainly throughout the state of Florida. And it was an opportunity to interact with alums and season ticket holders and donors and, and what have you. But it was it was a, almost more of a pep rally than anything. A lot of, a lot of, autographs and and then coach would give a talk and and more often than not he'd recruit all day and then we had a school plane so he'd fly home and and I went to every one of those locations well we were scheduled to be in in the central part of Florida which is about a two-hour drive um and it looked like weather was coming in we have the school plane and we were scheduled to fly on the school plane and at the last minute coach gets in the car with, with the, uh, the sports information director and says, I'm not, I'm not getting on that plane. I'm, I'm driving. And it was really last minute. And, and so uh, between me and another teammate, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking because I was really, really, really young in my career, but I topped an attitude and said, well, I'm not going then. I mean, he coach Meyer last minute me, the entry level development officer, I'm not doing it. And I just threw up my hands and, and didn't go. Uh, and, and so about 30 minutes a- after I got a call from our, uh, deputy athletic director, who later was, uh, the AD that I worked for at Georgia, uh, Greg McGarry, and he said, Monica, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm not going Greg. Like, I mean, what, who does coach think he is? He's just last minuting people. And he's like, but he's driving like our head football coach and our sports information director are already on their way. And, and you just decided not to go. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that was probably a bad decision, huh? So I end up not going. Thankfully, I didn't get fired and, and you know, uh, excommunicated from, from the industry. Uh, but the next day, I mean, when I say I got there, I think I got to, to campus at 630. And I was waiting for Coach Meyer. And I went into his office and just faced the music and just apologized to him. And and that's all I could do. There there was I, There was no excuse that I could have provided that would have justified my behavior but I ultimately apologized to him I apologized to our AD um you know of course swore it would never happen again 
eventually I earned their trust in me, uh, their, their trust back. And, and to this day, I would, I would call Coach Meyer if I needed something. I would call Jeremy Foley, the AD at the time, um, if I needed something. And then down the road, Greg McGarity did hire me at, at Georgia to be the head of development. So all's well that ends well, but you know, that was a risky move for someone early in their career trying to figure it out. So I guess let me give you advice. One, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Um, but two, I always tell, tell especially young people, just be reliable and dependable. If you can be those two things, reliable and dependable, people will continue to ask for, for, thing, for help. People will continue to come to you to ask you to do projects, to ask you to be on their team for whatever the project is. Um, and when I think of becoming an AD and I think who's going to be in my starting lineup, you know, I don't want to have to think when I get that job. I just want to be able to hire people who is reliable and who is dependable. Those are the two things I always come back to. So that's my advice to you. And don't cop an attitude. Molly, advice, advice from your end. Um, okay, I'll start with the advice and then I'll, I'll give you the quick background story. So my advice for the group is to not when you're early in your career, not to be so set in the path in which you want to take in your career that you narrow the opportunities that may be in front of you. Um, the reason I say that, so coming out of grad school, I had my, my first job was with the Miami Dolphins working for um, a great group of individuals in the partnership team. And um, I had this vision that I wanted to be in sports sponsorship. That's where I wanted to be for my entire career. And um, I was there about a year and a half. And uh, my husband and I were getting married and we were moving to Michigan because he had matched for his residency program here. And um, so, you know, I, I know I'm moving to the state. I the the opportunities are finite. And so um, I started interviewing and an opportunity arose with the Detroit Red Wings to start their first ever ticket service and retention department on the ticketing side of the business. And I, I remember flying up to Michigan and interviewing for the job and I came back. And at the time I told our CRO who I had developed a really great relationship with, I think this interview went really well. I'm, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to get the job. And he says to me, well, first of all, you're not a Michigan girl, so you shouldn't go to Michigan. <laughs> he says, but second of all, you're not destined to work in ticketing. And he said, you should not take that job. You need to stay the partnership path. And I said, well, like, listen, and I won't say this person's name because I love him and respect him dearly and our pat, we're still very close. But I said, um, I said, I don't have a lot of choices. Like we're going and I, I kind of need to take an opportunity, even though I know that it's not necessarily where I want to land ultimately. Um, and, you know, I think he was half joking, but half serious. And um, ultimately I ended up taking the job um, and I think most of us on this call probably know and understand that ticketing is the lifeblood to most organizations on the, on the team side of the business. If you can learn and understand the ticketing business, you can probably go on to do most things within the industry. So, um, so I say that because it has opened doors for me that I didn't think were possible um, because I took advantage of an opportunity that maybe wasn't exactly aligned where I thought I wanted to go, but, um, but it ended up working out. And I think it's all about what you make of those opportunities and making the most of them and um, really leaning into the opportunity, I think will ultimately serve you and benefit you down the line. But don't be so narrow focused to, to block out opportunities that um, maybe 
great, may, maybe may do great things for you. And Molly, one quick follow-up on that, because you may not have necessarily been passionate about ticketing. It's where you go, well, I'm really passionate about this area, so I'm going to take this job. It was maybe more passionate about the learning and the curiosity and the exploratory aspect of the experience. Were you passionate about ticketing? I wasn't. I didn't really have a whole lot of experience in ticketing, to be honest, but the opportunity was presented for me to be able to lead a team, grow, build a team, build a department that had never existed before, um, that I got an opportunity at a very, very young point in my career that had I not taken that, like I may not, may never have gotten that opportunity on, you know, a sponsorship team, for example, but um, I may have, I, you know, I don't know, but like, it was, it was a great opportunity for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, we were able to build that team from, we started out as three when I left there um, in Jan, in December of 22, um, there were seven individuals on that team managing a pretty significant book of business. So like it's, it opened up a lot of doors for me and, and allowed me a lot of opportunities that I may not have had. Alexa, your piece of advice. Yeah, I mean, I do want to comment on kind of Molly's position because I do think we work with a lot of ticketing teams and we place a lot of groups on the ground to operate ticketing departments at universities and on the pro side and on events. And I really do think it's a good entry point into the industry and you learn how to sell in a highly competitive environment. There's a lot more data, even like AI-based ticketing Um sales and pricing modeling, like you really do get a front row seat into, yeah, that driver's seat or that passenger seat into an organization. And then it's on you to have informational interviews with key constituents of departments that you're actually interested in. So that's when it can dovetail into sponsorship or operations or marketing. And you can make the same argument that maybe the better route is marketing, maybe the better route is sponsorship. But I do think ticketing, I see a lot of individuals get into the industry through that route. Um, another piece that I just wanted to comment on with Monica, you said reliable and dependable. I totally agree. I also think resourceful, which kind of groups into those two um, attributes is really important. My best intern, this was, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, was a 40-year-old ex-military veteran who I would give her, you know, one, hey, please go find the promotions in the closet in the basement of Wells Fargo Center. And she would figure it out. And I wouldn't tell her where the closet was, right? Because everyone's running 100 million miles an hour or where the keys were. But I do think we more than ever in the world that we live in now have all types of information at our fingertips. And it's really on us to figure it out. Um, my piece of advice is, which I got really early on, super thankful for, is come to your boss with solutions, not problems. And I think part of that is, and I'm actually working on a project right now where, and I wasn't asked to do this necessarily, but we're, we're kind of in, a, and I can't obviously talk too much about it, but we're in the stages of acquiring a, another business, right? And so if we acquire that business, it could be six or nine months, it could be a year, it could be never, but I'm creating contingency plans kind of in an A, B, and C scenario for how our business should operate if we buy now, if we buy later, or if we don't buy at all, and organizational charts and total addressable market reports and potential revenue um, that we can access. So I think a lot of it is like always peeking around the corner to identify not what you should be doing now, but what you should be doing in the next six months from now and really putting on that strategy hat. Because 
I'm sure Monica and Molly could agree is that a lot of our day-to-day -day is just blocking and tackling. So it's answering emails, it's doing really transactional things because there's just so much on the plate. But anytime you can step back for like 30 minutes or an hour and just say, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, is super important, something I've learned. Yeah, Alexa, to be able to schedule that into your day, not always easy, right? To, to schedule it around the meetings, but if you can schedule a meeting for yourself, uh, sometimes that can work and help. And look, everybody goes about their day differently to your point and um, when they're able to do certain things and, and how they work. But uh, Monica, from a roundtable perspective, we'll start to wrap up with this one and then we'll get to some more individual questions. But look, all three of you have been in you know, different stages of your life. You've either moved for an opportunity as Molly was sharing her story. You know, you've gone from one athletic department to another. How have you managed moving for opportunities or even passing on other opportunities that you've passed on um, throughout your career? And, and what is your advice for not only how to go about making those decisions, but also once you make that decision to make a successful transition wherever you're going? Sure. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with just be true to who you are. I, I get asked all the time, uh, especially by young people in, in college athletics, you know, do I have to move? And I say, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> let's just, let's just start with that. Um, I've, I've chosen to move. Tennessee's my ninth state, 11 if you count my internships. I've moved a lot. I'm okay with it. But I also had very supportive parents that said, wherever you go, we'll come visit you. So they never put any pressure on me. My siblings went away to school. I went away to school. Um, so, but if you know you want to live near your brothers and sisters or your nieces and nephews for the rest of your life and driving distance, then, you know, if you're from LA, don't take a job in Maine. Like that's, it's pretty simple because you're going to take that job thinking, oh, I'll just do it to climb the ladder. You're going to be miserable because the thing that drives you and motivates you might be your family and they're all the way in LA. So just know who you are and be true to who you are. Um, and go from there. But as far as moving, I could write a book on it. Um, and, and I had to, again, I'll go back to Florida because that Florida was the first time, you know, I went 3000 miles away to school. So, but I had a softball team. I walked right into a group of friends, uh, like a, like a guaranteed group of friends. And then I left there and went to Ohio university and walked into a guaranteed group of 30 of us that were all getting the same degree. So a guaranteed group of friends. Then I interned at the NCAA for a year. There were 11 of us, guaranteed group of friends. I didn't, know, I didn't need to know how to make friends because they were handed to me. Florida was the first time in my life that I had to be an adult and make friends all by myself. And that sounds really easy, but if you've never done it, it's weird because they all have their friend groups. And here I am, I show up and it's like, uh, wait, where are my built-in friends? And so, you know, you have to find your group and you have to find your niche. And I will say the first four months at Florida were miserable. I hated them. They hated me. I wanted to go home and never to return. Uh, fast forward four and a half years, I'm crying my eyes out because I have to leave. So all's well that ends well there. Um, but I had to learn how to move and be new. And what I learned from that experience was one, go with an open mind. Don't think you know what you're going into or what you're getting or what they're going to be or who they're, what they believe in or what the town's going to be like just be open to what it is. And, and two, don't be afraid to get involved in stuff outside of work. 
because we work a lot in sports. So certainly in college athletics, but in all sports, you put in a lot of hours. You spend a lot of time at work. Try to make friends outside of work. Maybe join a running club or join a community service organization or, you know, volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. Whatever it is that, that again, winds your clock, find it outside of work. Because if you make friends at work, on the cake just consider that the icing the cherry on top but it's awesome to have a balance between work friends and outside friends and outside things to do um and I had to learn that um by going through some tough times at Florida so that as soon as I took the job at UC Berkeley which was my next job now granted it was 45 minutes from home but if you're from the bay you know that could take an hour and a half so I wasn't meeting up with my high school friends uh you know just on a whim so so I had to make friends in the in the East Bay and in San Francisco, and and sure enough, again, you can use social media, you can you can join clubs and groups, and that's what I did. And and ever since then, it's been so much easier to move because I know how to do it now. But you got to get involved in stuff outside of work. Molly, maybe maybe hit on your move to to Michigan, and then and then others similar. Yeah, so a um, uh, little bit, maybe the opposite of Monica. I have only moved twice. So out of grad school, moving to Florida and then Florida up here to Michigan. Um, so I haven't had as much experience in sort of transitioning to a new job and a new place and doing those types of things. Um, but I would say, and I didn't really know this when I moved um, to Michigan, but Similar to what Monica said, um, I have recently gone through an exercise as I was um, exploring a transition out of my last job and into this current role that I'm in now um, about identifying what your core values are. What are the things at the end of the day that make you who you are, that, as Monica said, that fill your bucket, that drive you, like identify what those are. And they're going to be different for all of us. And they're going to be different and they're probably going to evolve as you go through your career. What they were, I don't know, 17 years ago when I moved to Michigan with no family, I'm a husband, but I had no kids, um, is very different today. I have two kids. It's, it's, it's different. So identify what those core values are and stay true to them when you're making decisions in a job selection. It's important not only from like a physical location standpoint and where you're going to live and some of the examples that Monica shared, but also when you're looking at roles and opportunities, making sure that your core values are aligned with the organization that you're going to work for. Um, so I, I think that that's really important. And I guess uh, you, the question around how to make it successful transitioning into a new job, um, I, I think that it's, um, we have to find boundaries and for individuals who are further along in our career, I think we need to help young folks um, really understand and appreciate that setting boundaries is okay. Um, I think for a lot of us, and it is really important when you come into the business to be willing to do whatever, to roll your sleeves up, no job is below you, like all those things are super, super important. But I think it's also really important to make sure that people understand how to set boundaries and people in leadership positions are also exhibiting boundary settings as well. So people coming into the business can know that it's okay. It is okay that if you have to, you know, help a sick family member and that happens to be at three o'clock, like I came up in the business, like that's not 
acceptable. You do not leave before six or seven o'clock at night. Like that's just how I came up in the business. And so like, I think our business is evolving and changing a little bit. So, um, and it comes with a give and take and a balance. That doesn't mean that you close up your computer at five o'clock and your work's over for the day. I'm not saying that. And if anybody repeats that, we're not going to be friends, but my point is just, it's okay to set those boundaries, um, and, and make sure as long as they're realistic and, um, that, that you stick to those boundaries and those core values. Well, I think another important piece there, Molly, on the boundaries is the ability to communicate them as well, right? right? To be able to communicate what those boundaries are or what the importance of the boundary is to you and or your boss, coworker, et cetera. Um, Alexa, last one to you on uh, moving for opportunities, maybe passing on them. Maybe you can hit on that as well of, you know, when to uh, potentially pass on one versus another. Yeah, I, so I've only moved a couple of times, um, but I think from the different angles, I probably travel every week or every other week. So it's kind of a different type of lifestyle in that sense. Um, even though I know at the university level um, and on the brand side, I'm sure you're traveling a lot too, i.e. the fact that Monica's in Italy. Um, but I, I think when I think about transitions in general, we like to do a lot of talking and I think listening in the beginning to really assess the steady state or current state of the team that you're walking into is super important um, because I think constantly, and this is just across the board, this isn't necessarily naming anyone in particular, but we sometimes do think we're the smartest person in the room, especially in executive level positions. And I, I think we always have a lot to learn. So getting into a new organization or a department within that organization and really figuring out what makes people tick, what gets people excited, what demotivates them from a personnel standpoint. And then, you know, from a revenue, because that's the lens that I usually look in, but from a revenue or operational standpoint, where are their deficiencies? What can we kind of hold for now? And then where are the biggest growth opportunities? Just doing a, some sort of a SWOT analysis when you first get in, I think is important. And then of course you put your, you put your plan into action. And Jake, you just alluded to this, but you learn how to communicate that plan too, which is probably the most important, important aspect. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office Plus. And remember to share with a friend or colleague, leave a review and tune in to each weekly or monthly episode across our shows. 